Digitization has arguably brought more convenience to our lives than any other innovation. Cashless transactions, online shopping, internet access practically anywhere in the world. These are just a few of the things making our day-to-day -day lives a little easier. But with every search engine query, fast food app delivery, or secret Instagram scroll at work, a little bit more about who we are goes online, creating a digital fragmented facsimile of ourselves. On their own, these insights are borderline useless. But when compiled together, they offer brands a rich understanding of their customers, helping them to make decisions on everything from marketing to their overall strategy. Data has become the fuel or the soil that allows organizations to grow. And today we have something in the region of between 30 and 50 zettabytes. And without going into what this exactly means, the really staggering fact is that 90% of those 30 to 50 zettabytes were generated just in the last few years. This is Beyond Retail, the show that helps businesses make sense of the emerging trends and technological developments within the ever-changing retail and hospitality industry. I'm your host, Marie Keyworth. In today's episode, we'll be talking all things data, from how brands can collect customer data to how they can utilize customer information safely and strategically. Customer data is an incredibly powerful tool and can help brands with a wide range of short and long-term strategies. In fact, 20% of merchants surveyed in Adyen's latest retail report said that they're already using customer data to inform decision-making in their business. And as data capture methods have increased in sophistication in the last 20 years, effectively putting the power of a customer survey in a simple cookies tick box Never has it been easier to collect this information. Even though the collection of this data poses benefits to customers as well as retailers, feelings towards data capture can be mixed among customers. I don't mind that much, but I don't want to be pestered with them, you know. I just don't want to be, like, getting emails and things like that all the time. But for that, I'm not bothering. I'm happy to share my data, for example, going into a boutique and you're building a relationship with a sales associate, a supermarket, because you get sometimes their reward programs that reduce your cost of living, just by simply giving your data to someone to, to get a card that can give you 10% off. But yeah, for those instances, I'm happy to give my data for certain things. Not, I'm not fussed, to be honest. <laughs> to be honest, it doesn't really affect my life. I mean, I know sometimes, you know, when you click on websites and obviously they keep your data for the next time so the the pop-ups will come up in effect there's sort of more things you bought before like an amazon if you've bought a certain product before it'll come up again so but mixed opinions on sharing personal data isn't the only hurdle facing retailers knowing what to do with the information is another challenge in itself and this is something that's been exacerbated by the pandemic here's joe dupree team lead of unified commerce enablement at adyen to explain how COVID impacted not just footfall in stores, but customer behavior altogether. With the pandemic, obviously, there has been a lot of shift in, in terms of how our consumers are transacting, meaning that the traditional going into stores and brick and mortar is no longer the only way of processing a transaction with a merchant. So what we're now seeing is that there's a movement on e-commerce as well as that in-app 
mobile web and other kind of means of, of payment. So what's happening from a kind of data side of things is that where we did used to be able to capture a lot of data from customers directly in the in-store environment, we're not now not also necessarily getting that type of data through the kind of e-com channels. So this results in really not having a true understanding of the shopper and therefore becoming a bit more fragmented in the data sets. Essentially, brands' understandings of how their customers like to shop has been weakened thanks to shoppers being forced to move nearly all their shopping online, which, as Joe explains, has resulted in a lot of fragmented data. So fragmented data and how I would define it is data which isn't really consistent. So, you know, you have customers who may, for example, give your in a first name or a last name and then an email address in an in-store environment. Then they may go to online and use a completely different email address and, and let's say proceed as a guest checkout. So that's what I would define as being fragmented in that, you know, it is the same shopper behind those transactions on the same brand. However, we're just being unable to identify them. That really causes issues and disruptions for the merchant. So when it comes to doing this sort of marketing or campaigns specifically targeted to a certain group, they're not able to do that for this particular individual. So even though customers are still generating data, the fact that they're not doing so through an established customer profile means that their information becomes scattered, preventing brands from attributing their data to a recognised person. And the difficulty in combining all this data in order for it to be useful becomes even clearer once we realise just how many touch points there are to collect from. So in terms of the collection of data, there's various touch points. So in the in-store environment, it typically you would find that in-store associates would have an iPad or they'd have a CRM card in which you would have to fill out. And this is their way of kind of capturing that data, which they would obviously either input directly into their POS, their kind of cash register solution, or through another external application. Then looking at the kind of online space, where, of course, you know, a lot more information is being presented. You know, if I'm wanting to get something delivered to my address, I'm evidently going to have to provide my address, my billing address, etc. And this is where that kind of data capture is happening and taking place. Of course, with the online and, and e-commerce side of things, it's a lot easier to capture this data because, you know, you are consenting to T's and C's of that particular brand and for them to use that data for other purposes as well. So that is just, just the kind of the two different spaces, but there are obviously other channels. So you'd even find capture taking place over the telephone now as well, or live chat services. Data capture can happen just about anywhere. And considering just how valuable it is to retailers, that's probably a good thing. But what exactly are some of the applications for it? It just gives them more knowledge, right? It gives them more knowledge of, of who the, the customers are, giving them information around their demographic of customers so they can, let's say, tailor things like the actual product they show in that particular store or in that particular location. Also, you know, in countries like the UK or, you know, or the US where there's huge tourism from other countries, understanding tourism in, in general, I think, is quite good, you know, because then what we're able to do from an Indian side, to support them through things like local payment methods. So localizing the payment methods that we would display in, in those particular stores and, and shops. So obviously these are just two really quick examples, but I think you know having that data really unlocks things like business operations, understanding a bit more around the shopper. But yeah, definitely, definitely huge advantages there. Collecting customer data, however, is only half the battle when it comes to utilizing it. To make good use of this information, it needs to be analysed so that real inferences can be made. 
But if you're a global brand with potentially hundreds of thousands of customers, that's no easy task. So how do you examine all that data? Every brand is different. Some brrands will look at a CSV file and pick and, and analyze it in that way, but others would also try and ingest it into other systems. So what we tend to find is that other, other systems are used. You know, CRM platforms, big data platforms are used in order to house this data, but also connect it to any other software that can help and support things like campaigns and, and marketing automation. So what I would advise and what I would say to merchants who are just beginning that journey and on data is try and make the process of capturing data future-proofed, as well as looking at how you know you can integrate into different parts of your business. The emphasis is really on the back-end systems and ensuring that there is that connectivity and things are aligned. Because you know what we tend to find is that despite merchants having these, these great offerings, there's that disconnect and there's still that siloed approach of data. What then does doing data right look like? Yeah, so I can give a couple of examples of merchants in different verticals who are using payment data really well. And I think one of them is actually a theme park. Um, so the goal of this theme park was to try and understand more around their shoppers uh, once they you know, enter the amusement park and visit the attractions. One of the difficult things was that once they enter, they had zero visibility. So by using payment data, we were able to pinpoint exactly you know, what were the different attractions that customer was using as well as how long they've actually spent in that park so in this example in particular we saw that the customer bought their ticket two weeks before they actually visited the the, the park itself they then got their dead on opening time and had a coffee but then we see them leave as well around six hours after at the last gift shop before the exit so this is how payment data is really powerful in providing that overview. And so if the theme park uh, company want to do this for each individual customer and shopper, then they can definitely do that. The applications for customer data are myriad. With great insight comes great responsibility. And it's up to brands to make sure that consumer information remains secure. While that might seem like a daunting task, Joe explains that there is a solution to accessing data easily and safely. In terms of uh, what we can provide at Adian, there are a few ways in which we can support merchants to obtaining this data and using this data. The first one is really for our own kind of portal, which merchants have access to, whereby in this portal we can provide some kind of more high-level KPIs and data sets for merchants. We have reports and dashboards on things like shopper origin based upon the payment card and the kind of origin of that card. We're able to display that to the merchant and say, hey, you know, this this account, you've had um, X amount of shoppers coming from the US or X amount of shoppers coming from the UK. So providing these reports um, and a breakdown of things like domestic versus foreign shopper is kind of available. Another one is the omnichannel dashboard, which is a little bit more high level, but it focuses really on who are your in-store shoppers, who are your online e-commerce shoppers, but then also what is that percentage of shopper who's actually shopping between both channels? It doesn't go into the granularity of the, the data itself. So we will never provide things like the name and, and surname of the customer because, of course, we don't know whether the consent has been given to provide that data, data over. But you know, if merchants do want to get into a bit more detail and understand more personal details of customers, then, of course, we can support them with how they can consume that data into their own environment. So that's one thing that we add in focus quite a lot on is 
one advising on the technical flows and the best practices and what we think you should you should be able to do with that data. But then secondly, what now you've got the data, what do you do with it? Is it to boost loyalty? Is it to run certain campaigns? This is this is kind of what we're here at the end of our helping our merchants do. There's no one-size-fits-all approach to data capture and utilisation. How and why a retailer chooses to capture this information depends on a wide range of factors, from what the business does to what they want to achieve. In fact, Adyen's latest retail report revealed that 28% of merchants use payment data to understand user behaviour and improve the customer experience, while 24% use it to identify popular product lines and guide product development. To explain more about how brands choose what kind of data strategy to employ, here's Chris Matthews, Global DTC Channel Director at Brompton Bicycle. It's probably the same conversation for a lot of businesses, data and how do you get it? How do you use it? How does it become part of your decision-making process? And we're very much in that position right now. In terms of what we can actually get hold of, as we've become more direct to consumer, it's become a bigger percentage of our business. We've got the direct relationships with a lot of customers, if you think traditionally of people buying on e-commerce channels and immediately you get information and ways of communicating with that customer naturally and obviously opting into marketing and various other things. So we can get that. Similarly, similar, sorry, with our, our owned and operated retail stores, you can then get people to give data and get data through the store network. And then through our B2B network, it's probably even more sort of a challenge, but we're trying to build those relationships with our retailers who buy our products and our wholesale distributors and trying to get the right tech solution so they can feed back to us kind of what products are selling, what customers do and don't like. Obviously, we've got certain data points we can look at, but we really are trying to drive that forward. But we know ultimately recognize that there's a quite a long journey for us to get to where we want to get to in terms of, of really truly understanding that the full customer journey for Brompton and word data and, and, and using data to really understand that better. Brompton's data journey focuses largely on getting to know the customer. As the brand started to develop its direct-to-consumer model, Brompton saw an opportunity to use this increased exposure to customers to gain the insights it wanted. But even with increased consumer interaction, customer data capture hasn't been a walk in the park. Obviously, online, you can automatically feed in behaviours that you want to happen. So, you know, if you want to shout about customers opting in for marketing or you can do pop-ups where you can get customers to sign up to data and £10 off your order, it's very easy to do. And you ensure every customer gets the exact same thing you need to happen because it's automated. In-store, it's real people, so it's different. And culturally, we've got to, you know, us as a business, we don't come from that culturally. We're about the product. We're about the bike. We want customers to come in and start riding a Brompton and go around and do that. But, you know, the easy steps is if someone does do that, leave some data with us and I'll leave an email, leave a contact. So I think it's difficult, not in the sense of difficult actually getting it. I think there's enough ways of us to get the information. It's probably just the fact of culturally, we're not FMCG high street retail. It's not all about, okay, you shop with us with a card and it's like a loyalty card where you immediately get all the information. It's just not how it works. So the other difficulty is not so much about how we do it. It's probably just getting the teams that are there to kind of that to become what they do, but without stopping them do what they're brilliant at, which is showing off a Brompton and, and, and the benefits of that and not becoming overly like, oh, can I get your information? Can I get your information? So that balance between the two, I think is probably the biggest difficulty, but the challenge we've got to overcome. As with most changes within a brand, the real challenges aren't in introducing new technology or re-educating teams, but in cultural shift. 
Including data capture questions in a sales pitch might not seem like a huge leap, but developing it into a habit can take time. So where is Brompton currently on its data journey? And how is it using the information gathered to inform business decisions? We're in kind of like a a definite transformational, transitional position right now. We want to collect more data to be able to just get more statistically relevant information and be able to base our decisions on that. But we, and, we, and that's what we're doing. So at the moment, it's more about understanding where our customers are, and then that can lead us to wanting to grow marketing campaigns would be an example of doing something in those regions, to just getting information on, okay, this person's bought a bike, and then do you want to do a few months later, try and send them something to get them to buy accessories or, or clothing or bags or things that we do and sell with our products? So we're doing that. Also trying to really use data to understand market conditions a lot more as well. You know, in in terms of is this a growing market? Is it a declining market? Is it something we should be investing more into? Should we not? That's what we're really trying to get hold of much more of that. And that's not just data that comes through from us. That's, That's using kind of external data. It's different sources of data to really be able to understand markets better because we're we really are international we, we we're pretty much in all the major markets you can think of and they're all growing at different rates they've all got different consumer behaviors and ultimately data needs to be the heart of that to understand how do we grow in those markets are they more digital-led markets means we focus more on e-commerce is it more a offline retail which means we need to think of bricks and mortar space what's the general market conditions etc but just coming back to the point for us at the moment, it's still some of the basics of what we're trying to do, collecting data in the right ways, making sure we're collecting it fairly, legally, correctly with our customers. You know, we're not misleading anything. We're open and honest about what data we are collecting, trying to understand all the different sources we can get data from. But ultimately, the biggest transformation we're doing is setting ourselves up to be able to collect the data that we need. And there's lots of things we're doing right now which are looking forward at how do we do that and what's the ways we should set ourselves up to do that in the future. And with the introduction of GDPR legislation, Brompton's ethos of handling data fairly and correctly isn't now just good practice, it's a legal requirement. As we try to grow our CRM database, it's being really clear with customers when you know if you're buying products, you're not necessarily signing in for marketing and being really clear about opting in and those, and again, all very basic stuff, but... We've grown very quickly internationally on an e-commerce level, and every market's got different regulations. Germany, for example, is is probably very much more strict, I would say, in terms of controlling that than, say, maybe potentially the UK is. Uh, USA is probably a bit less strict as well within that. That's the real challenge. We're not we're not a huge team. We're not you know we've not got perfect resource in every single market, and we've grown very quickly. You know we, we're very cautious in within that space in terms of what we do when we do launch e-commerce or we're trying to get customers to opt into something. We're very clear about what they are. And obviously explain the benefits to them. But that can be a real challenge for us. It's just, it's the amount of markets that we're in, the complexity that that can bring, whilst, of course, not having a massive team or a legal team or everything that is huge that can give us all the, the great advice that we need. So we try to be very cautious with it and obviously do what, do what we can from, from uh, in the right perspective. But that's that's a challenge. And then, you know, digitally, it becomes even more complex and more difficult with all the changes that are happening from a digital level of, of how you can track customers we're very careful with that at Brompton. We're not a super high transaction, high volume retailer who's trying to get every single sale they can get from an e-commerce perspective. We're a premium brand. We sell very expensive products. We don't need to be doing all of that. Type of stuff. Again, we're just very cautious with it. But the challenges, because we want to understand more about our customers online. You know, so you think about the whole world of online 
advertising and Google spend and Facebook spend and whatever is all of it's down to understanding returns of that is how customers behave in those environments. And that's becoming more difficult to track and, and get hold of customers. It means you can spend money without really knowing what you're spending on. So that, that becomes a real challenge in terms of that management for it. But again, it comes down to our business and our industry. We're not huge volume. We don't have millions and millions of customers. We don't want to be making any mistakes on this front. We are obviously very cautious about doing something wrong and obviously that backlash that could cause on data because people are now much more savvy on this. And they're very vocal about if they get something they shouldn't be getting, they're very vocal about it. So we don't need to take risks in that space. We're trying to grow quickly, but we, we want to grow correctly and do things right. So we, we're lucky in that sense that we can take a bit of time and do things properly. Customers appreciate businesses who care about GDPR. As a result, it's no surprise that Brompton's commitment to privacy and security is what's earning its customers' trust, allowing it to gain the insights it's been looking for. Adyen's latest research found that 39% of consumers only allow data to be stored and used by retailers if there are assurances around security and privacy. And a further 28% of customers will only give out data to a business if there's something in it for them, like discounts or special offers. I really don't have a problem with them collecting my data for any reason. As long as they don't sell my data to eight other companies that sells those products, you know, that I don't keep getting pestered with adverts and stuff like that. That would be my only concern. I don't really mind because um, it makes things quicker, doesn't it? So if they've already got your details in there and saved and you just need to put in the security code rather than your full card details, it's a bit quicker. The targeted ads, I'm really bad because when I see stuff come up on like Instagram and Facebook because they're based on previous purchases, if it's stuff I like, then I'll just buy it. <laughs> As we've heard, customer data incorporates a broad range of data sets, including location, contact details, purchasing habits and more. Therefore, it'll come as no surprise that the amount of data we've generated over recent years has skyrocketed, posing a real opportunity for all brands. Bernard Marr is a data advisor, futurist and author of the award-winning book Business Trends in Practice. He details just how big this opportunity is. What we're seeing at the moment is our world is becoming datafied. Data is now one of the most important, if not the most important business asset for any organization, retailers, but also beyond. Data is enabling the second most important thing that we need to talk about, which is artificial intelligence. I believe that AI is the most powerful technology humans have ever had access to, and it will completely transform many aspects of retail. So what we're seeing at the moment is that data has become the fuel or the soil that allows organizations to grow. And today we have something in the region of between 30 and 50 zettabytes. And without going into what this exactly means, the really staggering fact is that 90% of those 30 to 50 zettabytes were generated just in the last few years. And those 30 will grow to over 175 by 2025. So this gives you a sense of what we're experiencing at the moment, this massive explosion in the amount of data available. So for me, what is crazy is that at the moment of these vast data sets, less than 1% is currently used. And every retailer that I work with and help them to develop a data strategy, what I'm seeing is that they 
have vast amounts of data that they don't use and access at the moment, and they also have the wrong data set. So sometimes they realize that it's not quite right. So for me, what we need to do is we need to start with our strategic questions and say, what do we actually need to know? Brands don't just have to trawl through the masses of card purchase data to discover new opportunities, though. In fact, there are data points that can be collected via timely and cost-effective measures available to smaller and larger companies alike. A really good example comes from a butcher shop that I was working with, and they were very skeptical and and it illustrates that even the smallest organizations can apply all of this technology. So they were saying, okay, data doesn't really matter to me. Recently, the library closed down in our high street, a supermarket moved in, and we now have real competition. So for me, some of the questions are, how do we compete with this supermarket or do we compete with them? And has the supermarket actually driven up footfall and given us an opportunity? And if it has, how do we compete? This for me is a great starting point because now you have real questions. And then we said, okay, now let's try to look at, have we already got data? And they footfall data is un, very unreliable. The council measures some of this. So we installed Euclid devices in the shop window because our mobile phones continuously look for Bluetooth and Wi-Fi connections. And these signals can be tracked. And the beauty of this is that also no personal identifiable information is ever shared so they don't have to worry about processing personalized data. So this was the was answering the first question about footfall, which then gave us a really good baseline and could allow us to run the experiments to answer the second question, which was how do we actually compete? They basically experimented one week and basically had all was, was all on price competition. So they, they looked at messages like we're beating this the supermarket on all of these beef products and chicken, blah, blah, blah. And the next week they would run different advertising campaigns outside with their little boards. And this time it was all about Actually, this is all locally sourced. So it was all about, all about engaging customers on an added value level. And actually what they learned from this is that it was the added value message that really worked. Not only did these devices help Bernard's client answer an existing question, they revealed a whole new revenue stream that they didn't even know existed. We analysed the data and we found that there was a surprise in there, that between 10 and half past 11 at night, there was quite a bit of footfall that they were never really aware of. And again, they said, let's do this a bit more data-driven. Let's go and look at key food trends and see what people are actually interested in. And at that point, one of the key trends was pulled pork. So they then had a little pop-up store selling pulled pork burgers, which gives them a really good profit margin. And actually a significant chunk of their revenue comes now from this pop-up store at night, especially on a Friday and Saturday night. And for me, this is such a great example of a company, even the smallest company, using data well. And we can now track anything. So we can we have these Euclid devices, we have beacons, we have apps, we have sensors. And obviously on the web, we can track everything. And going forward, as we move into the the next evolution of the internet, where we use technology like virtual and augmented reality to bring things to life. And this will be an even bigger treasure trove of data that we will have available. Despite Bernard's client's luck, 
Brands can't dive headfirst into monitoring data points and hope to stumble across a goldmine. Instead, they need to form a strong strategy that starts by asking some fundamental questions about what they want to achieve. But as Bernard notes, retailers can't just start capturing all their customers' data once they know what they're looking for. They need to make sure they're going about it ethically and transparently. When I work with brands, one of the things that when we create a data strategy, for example, as part of this, there has to be a focus on building trust and a focus on being transparent about what data you're collecting and how. And we went through this phase where brands basically try to collect as much data as possible without telling anyone what they're doing so they can can build this war chest of data that they can then use. And it felt sometimes like they were collecting data to almost use it against consumers. So a consumer would then say, okay, if I go onto a website to buy a certain product and then come back, they can use this data and say, you're now likely to buy this or we can up the price by a certain percentage. And this is almost like the opposite of what you want to create. You want to use data to deliver a better customer experience. And actually, if consumers in the future will not trust you, they won't share data with you. For me, as part of this new evolution of the internet from the metaverse, and and we talk about Web3, which is also using a more decentralized way of storing data in blockchains, for example, and decentralized ledgers. And this will give people much more control potentially about their data and how brands will be able to access and use this data. So I hope that in the future we will have more of a contract almost between consumers and brands where they're building trust, where using data is actually helping them. This shift from using data as a war chest to using it as a vehicle to offer a better and safer service is one that's been bolstered by the introduction of GDPR. Not only has GDPR made brands more conscious of how they handle customer data, but it's also forced the technology behind making data safe to up its game too. I think the sentiment of legislations like GDPR are a good idea. The problem is how they're then put into practice. And what I see in reality is that it meant that lots of retailers just have more work. They employ more people to follow procedures. So suddenly it becomes a big compliance exercise rather than something that delivers better services to consumers. So for me, the best retailers will always have the consumers at the forefront of their mind saying, how can I make my service better? How can I deliver more value to my consumers? What I find for on the consumer side is that some of the things we had to put in place are quite annoying. It's like if you think about online retail, you every website you click in, you have to then agree to the cookies and everyone always does because it's just so annoying. And then in terms of technology, what it means is that we now have vendors that deliver new solutions. So in the past, if you wanted to store your data in the cloud, for example, you went to Microsoft or Amazon or IBM, 
they would have their big data centers anywhere in the world. Nowadays, this technology has evolved where you have country-based clouds. So for example, you then say, okay, in order to comply with UK legislations, the data will be stored in the UK, will not be transferred across to the US. And also there's new technology where you can actually leverage all the benefits of modern cloud infrastructure, but have a hybrid cloud where you still have some data on premise that is particularly valuable customer data and some of this more in the public cloud. And you can, I find that this infrastructure makes it really easy for organizations to comply with things like GDPR. The way brands can utilize customer data well can be broken down into a few key elements. Ask for it openly, use it transparently and handle it securely. And if brands want to make the most out of the insights gathered from that data, they can add another point to that list. Gather your insights in a timely manner. Because good data doesn't last forever. Data has a shelf life. So in the past, retailers collected huge amounts of data and then trolled through the past information to then make predictions about the future. And Walmart, for example, one of my customers, they realized actually, instead of looking at three years of data, because if you look at yourself as a consumer, three years ago, you were a different person with completely different habits, with different income levels, whatever it might be. So they decided a few years ago that they would only look at the last 90 days of consumer behavior data and, and buying patterns and use that. What was really interesting is that during the pandemic, they realized that those that the shifts were so significant and so fast that we'd completely changed our buying patterns, that this moved from 90 days to just two weeks worth of data. I think what retailers in particular realize now is that data has a shelf life and it's probably the shelf life is shorter than we thought. So it's even more important that we are able to turn data into insights quickly and act on this and automate some of this rather than rely on years worth of data and hoping that they will give us great insights in the future. Never before have brands had access to so much information from which to derive such valuable insights. And at the rate consumers continue to generate more data, there's no risk of retailers running out of the knowledge needed to continue improving their service anytime soon. But to keep making valuable inferences about their customers, brands need to ensure that they're developing sound data strategies focused on the outcomes they wish to achieve. Not only this, but they must continue to gather customer data in a transparent and compliant manner if they want to maintain the trust of their customers. So far in this series, we've discovered why it's important for brands to diversify, how retailers can continue to foster loyalty, and explored why there's still a bright future ahead for brick and mortar. So join us next week for our final episode of the series, as we take a deep dive into e-commerce, embedded finance, and platforms for growth. So embedded finance is really giving the ability to brand and tech companies to offer financial services, including payments, lending, banking, at the point of use of their users. So basically, it's companies that um, are offering other services, like, uh, for example, Shopify, <laughs> enabling you uh, to launch e-commerce uh, platform that is then also enabling you to open a bank account to receive the money of uh, those sales. 
That's next time on Beyond Retail. You've been listening to Beyond Retail. I'm your host, Marie Keyworth. If you want to find out more about the topics discussed on today's episode, visit adgen.com or follow the link in the show notes. And a big thank you to our contributors. Join us next time as we discuss platforms for growth and find out how the democratization of e-commerce and embedded finance are augmenting the buying and shopping experience.